Well, go ahead and grab a Bible and turn to John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'll throw it up on the screen behind me. And this morning, we are beginning a new series that I'm calling Into the Circle. And Into the Circle is going to be a a really short two-week series. So it's going to be today and next Sunday. And then we're going to be jumping back into uh, the Gospel of Mark, where we're going to be spending uh, the bulk of of 2023. Um, Now, every year, I, I really like to take two to three weeks, two to three Sundays out of the year and talk about what the Bible says about giving and stewardship. And the reason why I do this is because Jesus talked more about money than any other topic. And the reason why is because nothing reveals our priorities more than how uh, we spend money. So if you look at my calendar, if you look at at my bank statement, you're going to see, you're going to get a picture of what's important to me. You're going to see my priorities. You're going to see kind of who or what that I worship. You're going to see what is first in my life. And so our, how we use money kind of reveals what we're worshiping. Now, this is precisely why when I start preaching about money, the anxiety in the level of, of the room really begins to increase. It's the anxiety that, I don't know, a long-tailed cat has in a room full of uh, rocking chairs. You, you guys know what I mean? It's, it's the kind of anxiety that you have when you're on your way to the dentist for a root canal. That's the kind of anxiety that I'm talking about. And so people get nervous about this. They get anxious um, for, for a multitude of reasons. But I think a lot of times when a pastor is preaching on this topic, the, the thought process is, well, you know, um, I really should be giving more. And so, you know, the pastor's just kind of here giving me a guilt trip, giving me, you know, uh, twisting my arm in order to give because the church has a need. So we need to, we need to kind of pony up and meet that need. And so that perspective is, is, you know, has to be, has to be overcome. And and I just, I want to share with you this, my heart, my heart today is not to motivate you with a guilt trip. That is not what I want to do. What I want to do is inspire you with a gospel trip. That's what I want to do. And one of the things that I've kind of thought about as I've been praying about this series over the, over the past few weeks is that as I've kind of thought about my approach to preaching and teaching on this topic in the past, I, I, think, I think sometimes something's been missing even in, in my preaching on this. And what I mean by that is that I, I think a lot of times the way I approach this, well, the Bible, you know, the Bible tells us we need to be givers, so let's, let's give, basically. And I think sometimes that as pastors, the message and the teaching about giving can be separated from the big picture. From really the, the big picture of God's generosity when it comes to giving. And what I know from scripture and what I'm seeing more and more from scripture is that giving just to give is not how God moves us into generosity. In, in other words, the way, that, the way that God moves us into being generous is, is really through us recognizing his generosity. And the Apostle Paul, in, in one of the chapters in 2 Corinthians, that's devoted exclusively to this topic of giving. He talks about, he says, the love of God compels us. And so what he's talking about there is what motivates us to give is the love of God. And so the more we realize the generosity of God, the more freedom and joy that we're going to have in giving. And the truth is, you know, for, for most of us, money is, 
is really one of the most stressful parts of life. I mean, most married couples argue the most about money. Uh, single people uh, worry uh, about money more than anything else. But what if, I mean, just think about this, church. What if, instead of living paycheck to paycheck, that God moved us to a place where we're, we were giving joyfully paycheck to paycheck? What if instead of giving out of duty or obligation or even guilt, that we were really giving out of joy and faith and love? And so as, I, as I've been thinking about this series, that's, that's, been our, that's been my prayer for us that God would do that. So, so this morning, what I want to do today is I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture. You all probably know it better than even I do. It's John 3, 16 through 18. And I'm going to ask if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we read the word of God this morning? So notice, notice what, how John puts this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not the word of God. It lasts forever. You may be seated. So as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking, that John's making a really important point. And I want us to kind of highlight that point today. And the point that he's making is this, that God is the ultimate giver. And I want to spend the bulk of the message really talking about not us giving, but how much God really gives to us, that God is the ultimate giver. And then, then at the very end, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk a little bit about how God has called us to be givers. And then I want to give you some practical steps uh, to, to really living generously. And I want to just share with you too that, that uh, some of what I'm going to be sharing with you comes from a book that I read over the Christmas holidays. In fact, uh, I read the book twice. It was that, it was that, that good. And uh, it's a book called The Book of Giving. And uh, it's by Pierce Taylor Hibbs, who is quickly becoming uh, one of my favorite authors. And uh, I've even we've got the QR code for you. I would love for you to just to go ahead and order that book and read it. It's, very, it's not a very big book. It's, it's very biblical and very inspiring. And it just really moved my heart. So I'm going to be sharing a lot uh, from that book with you today. So, uh, so just know kind of... Um, how, how God influenced me with this. But, but here's what I want us to kind of focus on this morning, and it's this, that God is the ultimate giver. God is the ultimate giver. Let me, let me show you what I mean from John 3.16. Listen, li listen to what John tells us. And, and, and so many times, church, we're, we, are, we are so familiar with this passage, we read it and not even think about it. And, and so we're just, we just like, I've already heard that, I've already, I already know that, but but man, when you start thinking about and dwelling on what, what John is saying in this, it, is, it really starts to change your life. Notice what he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, what John is saying here is, is, is really incredible. And, and let me unpack it this way. If you were to go up to any first century Jewish person and ask them, 
does God love the world? Their response back to you would be, God loves Israel. Israel is God's chosen nation. And and so if you were to read through all of the Jewish sacred writings, you, you wouldn't see one phrase in all of those writings that talks about God's love for the world. Now, you would, you would stumble on God's love for Israel, but you wouldn't see God's love for the world. And, and so the point here is this, that, that God's loving the world is a distinctively Christian idea. And uh, God's love for the world is foreshadowed in the Old Testament, but it's explicitly laid out in the New Testament. And so the foundation of the gospel of Jesus is his love for the world. That his love is not confined to a national group or some spiritually elite group of people. God so loved the world. He he loves us. And so what John is telling us is that that God is a giver. He is the ultimate giver. And as, as you look at this passage, you really begin to see how big God's generosity really is. I, I think a lot of times when I'm talking about generosity or you're thinking about generosity, what comes to our mind is generosity is kind of a personality trait. You know, it's just kind of part of somebody's personality and and uh, they give to charity or they're very giving in their time they're not they're not uptight about you know, you know them sacrificing their time for you and so we just kind of frame it as well this is their personality but generosity and God's generosity is not a personality thing it's so much bigger than that consider what God gave God gave his son. He didn't, he didn't give a thing. In essence, he gave us everything. And so this is, this is where we, we, we start to contemplate the bigness of God's generosity. The generosity is not just something we just give out of a surplus that we have. The generosity is not a personality trait. It is really a whole new way of living. Really, God's giving to us is an outflow of his love. I mean, just consider what love is. Love at its very core is self-giving. You know, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Isn't that interesting? And, 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 so, and so the love that, that God has is a self-giving love. It is a, it is a giving of your whole self to someone else for their blessing and for their benefit. That's what John 3.16 is saying, is that God loved his creation so much, he loved the people that he created, all of us, that he gave his son for us. And so the crucial point here is giving is not just something that he does, it is who he is. And that's what I want us to see. Now, how, do, how does God give? Or more specifically, what does God give? Well, Pierce Taylor Hibbs in his book, The Book of Giving, he, he, he talks about how God gives himself to himself. This was an interesting thought. So, so really when you think about scripture as scripture reveals God to us, what scripture reveals to us is that God is a trinity. He is three persons and at the same time one God. So he exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons within the Godhead, equally God, equally deserving of our worship, 
praise and, and love and adoration, but at the same time, one. Now, there's all kinds of mystery there, and theologians for 2,000 years have been trying to explain it, and they can't do it, and I'm not going to be able to do it here either. Uh, but the point is this, is that God is in a continual circle of giving himself to himself, that there is love and friendship and fellowship even within the Godhead, even within the Trinity. Let me, let, let me, let me explain uh, some ways that God gives himself to himself. Um, you see specifically that the Father gives himself to the Son. Look at John 5, 20. John records it this way. For the Father loves the Son, so the essence of love is self-giving, and, and the Father shows the Son all that he himself is doing, greater works than these he will show him so that you all may marvel. So what the Father does is shows his love to the Son by showing the Son the work that the Father is doing in the world. That's what he's talking about there. But it's interesting because the Son also gives himself to the Spirit and to the Father. Let me show you this from Matthew 4.1. Notice how Matthew records this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So what you see is the, the picture of the Holy Spirit of God leading the Son of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so Jesus allowed the Spirit to lead him, gave himself to the direction of the Spirit, leading him in, into the wilderness where Satan would tempt Jesus. And, and then the picture that we have there, you just have to read the rest of Matthew 4, is the Son giving himself to the Father by obeying the Father's word. So Satan tempts him three times. You, you know that story. And, and Jesus resists those temptations by using and submitting to the word of God. And so this picture that you have is the members of the Trinity loving each other, giving themselves to one another. Now theologian Abraham Kuyper puts it this way. The, the love life whereby these three mutually love each other is the eternal being himself. This alone is the true and real life of love. The entire scripture, he says, teaches that nothing is more precious and glorious than the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father and the Holy Spirit for both. Now, there is so much mystery in what I'm sharing with you. Like, I am way in over my head right now. But, but we have perfect love in the Godhead and uh, it reminds us really of 1 John 4, 8, uh, where, where John writes this, anyone who doesn't love God doesn't know God because God is love. And so the very essence of who he is, is love. Now let me, let me kind of show you what this looks like. This is a, a, a diagram of the Trinity that I want to share with you. And you see this, you see the circle there. You see the love of the, of the Godhead, God giving himself to himself, the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, the Spirit to the Father and, and, and back and forth. And so that's the circle of the Trinity and it's a perfect community of love. Now I'm gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna come back to this, but let me show you another, another word picture for this. It's not a perfect one, but I wanna show you this. Now watch this uh, glass, this jar being filled up with water. Now just, just, just notice what's happening here. There's an overflowing cup of water 
the edges are rounded and uh, the water is just streaming down, begins to stream down uh, both sides. And, uh, and so what you, what you notice here is there is, in a beautiful way, an abundance of, that's, so real, that's really so glorious, a fullness that is, that is so abundant. And it's, it's just running over. It's just constantly running over. There's no scarcity. There's no rationing. There's no limiting factors. And, and what it is is just overflowing blessing overflowing blessing within the trinity himself so so that's how god gives that's a picture of the generosity of god but there's another picture of the generosity of god and that's how god gives life to us so god gives himself to himself but follow me he gives life to every sing, every single one of us let me show you this from genesis 2 7 uh, the, the writer of Genesis says this, the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and notice this, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. You see that? And so what he's saying is this, God's very breath is in you and in me. In fact, why don't we take a deep breath all together, okay? On the count of three, we're gonna just breathe in deeply. One, two, three three according to scripture that's the breath of God now think about that that very breath that oxygen that God gives to us is is a gift from God and and so the God of life imparts life to us and he does it in the form of oxygen that we breathe in church 23,000 times a day do you know that God has been so generous to you to give you 23,000 breaths today? Now, are you thankful for those breaths? Do you thank God after every breath? We really should because it's a gift from God. I guarantee the Bill's safety, DeVar Hamlin, I guarantee you he's thanking God because he lost his breath. And, and so you think about why that story gripped an entire nation. Like we were all just kind of glued to the TV and talking about it for, for days and days. And, and praise God, you know, that God gave, gave him his, his breath back. But, but why did it grip us so much? Because in that moment on national TV, the entire nation, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we were reminded we're not in control of our breath. We're reminded of how fragile and frail our life really is and that our entire lives are sustained by the very word of God. That's why it gripped us. And that at any moment, uh, one sovereign syllable, God could call us home. And so 23,000 gifts coming today for you by God's grace and uh, and most of the time, we're not even thinking about it. Colossians talks about how God holds us together. Uh, this is a beautiful picture of this. Let me, let me share with you Colossians 1.16. Uh, Paul writes this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And here's the, here's the, here's the punchline. In him, all things hold together. Church, do you know who's holding you together right now? Yeah, God's word is holding you together. 
And that very life that you have is, is a gift from God. So he gives himself to himself. He gives life to us. I would say thirdly, the way God gives to us is he gives us everything that we have. He's given us everything we have. Think about this. God has given us taste buds, but we don't need taste buds to survive. You know, if your taste buds stopped working, as for many of us they did during the whole COVID thing, uh, which was horrible, by the way. Um, I mean, he just gave us our taste buds as a gift of his grace to us. We don't need that to have joy and pleasure just in eating. But God gives that to us. Uh, Think about this. God gave you your gifts, talents, and abilities. He's given you special things that you can do. And when you do them, you do them really well. And and when you do them, your heart is filled with joy. Church, that's a gift from God. That didn't originate with you. You you didn't, I mean, you might have worked to develop it. But God gave you the gift, talent, and ability. Think about this. All the money that you have, all the stuff that we have, those are all gifts from God. All of every penny that you have, everything in your, in your investment accounts, your retirement account, in your checking account, it's all a gift from God. It all comes from God. He gave that to you. And you're like, now wait a minute, Scott, I earned that, man. I worked really hard. Well, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Who, who gave you the ability to earn it? Who, who gave you the the ability to work, who gave you the opportunity for the job itself? Think about this. Who allowed you to live in the United States of America? Wouldn't you agree that your financial position would be very, very different if you were in El Salvador today? Absolutely. But see, all of that, all of that is really a gift from God. Think about the fact that God gave us, you know, our families. We, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for, you know, our parents or grandparents or, you know, an uncle that, that raised us. And, and yeah, and I know you, you didn't have perfect parents, ne- neither, do, neither did I, and we're not perfect parents ourselves. Uh, but as strange and wonderful as your families are, and um, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without them. I mean, you guys tracking with what I'm saying? Uh, think about this. God, God gave us creation. He, he gave us uh, the mountains and the beaches and, and the plains. He gave us uh, a beautiful sunrise this morning. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, he gave us uh, sunset. You know, he, he gave us the Gulf of Mexico. He gave us the town of Trafalgar. I mean, he gave us all of those things. Um, and it reveals God's generosity to us. I, I'm not kidding. Um, he really did. So, so do you, are you starting to see something here? Are, are you starting to see Maybe everything we have that's good comes from God. That's a gift of his generosity. I, I love how theologian Abraham Kuyper says it. He says it like this. There, there's, not a, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That's amazing. And yet, this is what sin does to us. This is what the devil does to us. We think it's ours. We're living this illusion that all the good things in our life, well, that's mine. I did that. And uh, God says, nope, everything, everything is mine. And so God gives himself to himself. He gives life to us. 
Uh, he gives us everything we have. Think about this. God gives his son to us. Again, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Could you imagine the gift of a person? I mean, think about that. I mean, I, I, I tried to kind of think this through. I, I have two boys, Harrison and Ryan, and I was trying to think, how could I package them up and give them to somebody else? There are times when I'm tempted to do that, but, um, but like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. But yet God did that. I mean, he gave a person. And it wasn't like he had, you know, it wasn't like he forced Jesus against his will. Jesus volunteered to give himself. And and, and, and so that's what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. And then when he lived those 33 years, what did he do? He, he served, he healed, he discipled, he preached, he taught, uh, he pursued us, he loved us. And then he wasn't done yet. He went all in. You remember the story when Jesus was with the disciples, they were sharing that last Passover meal and uh, this was the night before he was crucified. He took the bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you to be consumed by you. And then he held up the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. He was giving them, he was giving us a visible reminder of his generosity, he was going all in for us. That what he would do is place himself under the waterfall of God's wrath for our sin and our rebellion. That he would take it instead of us. That is love. That is love beyond all imagination. And so it's pretty incredible when you think about God's generosity to us. And, and then, then lastly, God gives his spirit to us. He gives, he gives us his spirit. And so, so how did he give himself uh, to us? He, he gives us his Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity comes to us. And what the spirit really does is takes the sacrifice of Jesus and makes it real to us. So he takes Jesus sacrificed 2,000 years ago and applies it to our life, making the love of God real to us in, in real time. He does it in a number of different ways, but one way that he does it is through justification, making us right with God, where God sees us no longer as rebels and enemies, but he sees us as his own children made right with God. The Spirit also regenerates us. So the Spirit comes into our hearts and, and makes us born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Your spirit, before you came to Christ, was dead to all things related to God. But the Spirit comes within us and gives us new life. He regenerates us. We are reborn. In addition to that, the Spirit also adopts us. So there was a time in your life and in my life when we were we were servants, we were slaves, we were orphans. We were outside of God's circle. And through the sacrifice of Jesus and through the application of that sacrifice through the Spirit, we become adopted, as Adam was saying earlier, 
as sons and daughters of God is incredible. And now through that, through that gift and through the Spirit, we are heirs of God. We inherit all of God's kingdom because he gives us the kingdom, which is a whole other sermon uh, series that I could do on that. Now, to what end? You think about the sacrifice of the Son and the work of the Spirit to apply that sacrifice to us. What's the end game? What's, what's the agenda? What is God working? Well, in a word, relationship. That's what God's pursuing. He's pursuing a relationship with us. And so the sacrifice of the Son, the work of the Spirit brings us into that circle of God's trinity, into, that, into, into relationship with his love. Let me, let me show this to you from John chapter 14, 23. This will blow your mind. Just, just read it with me. Look at this. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. So he's talking about the importance of obedience there. So, so if you're, you're in Christ, if you love Jesus, you're going to obey him. And then notice what Jesus says. We will come to him and make our home with him. We will. What we is he talking about? It's Jesus talking. What we is, is going to come in and make their home inside of us. He's talking about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your heart was designed to be a home for the Trinity. Not that you become God, never, but that God comes to you and lives inside of you. There are four people inside of you, you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian. That is mind-blowing. I mean, it's just incredible um, when, you, when you really think about this. And so what that is, what Jesus is describing is relationship. He's, he's describing friendship and intimacy and love. And, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about uh, the, the fact that, I mean, if there's, if there's any group of people in heaven and on earth that could be a clique and a, a rightful clique, it, could, it would be the Trinity, right? I mean, I mean they, that's the only clique that nobody should be allowed into because it's a perfect trinity of love but yet what do you see you see God's radical inclusivity that from the beginning of time God has said we're opening the door so that more and more people can come into this trinity and experience the love of God it just tells me church that life is all about relationship and you see again the deceitfulness of sin because we're tricked into thinking okay well possessions is what gives me life Popularity is what gives me life. Uh, position and power give me life. Pleasure, that's, where, that's what gives me life. Those things are so small, your heart was made to house the Trinity of God. And so relationships are the whole deal. In fact, in his book, uh, Pierce Taylor Hibbs, he, he, he talks about how our lives really are a witness to these relationships. Uh, as I was thinking about the implications of this, I was thinking about, I would not be here standing in front of you if God had not breathed into me life those 53 years ago and kept those breaths coming. I wouldn't be here. I, I wouldn't be here if it were not for God revealing his love for me when I was in middle school and I committed my life to Christ. I wouldn't be here without his 
regenerating work of the Spirit and His sacrifice on the cross in my life. I, I wouldn't even be pastoring today if it were not for a student pastor that I had in high school that discipled me and, and then my college and seminary professors training me to be a pastor. I, I wouldn't even be pastoring this church if it weren't for the, the love, the encouragement, the prayer, the sacrifice of the elders and the staff that I work with and then all of you. I wouldn't even be here without your generosity and without your love. And then I certainly wouldn't be here today if it weren't for my wife, Luann, who loves me like no other person on the planet. I mean, I just wouldn't be here. And I just, you just start thinking about the fact that, I mean, as I, I could go on and on with these, the reality is there's nothing that I have in my life that's good that comes from me. It's all a gift from God. And, and so what it means is I'm not defined by what I do. I'm defined by what has been given to me. That's what defines my life. And so what do I have that I haven't been given? Nothing. It all comes from God. And what if, what if you and I lived every minute of every day with every breath and every penny and every move that we make and every relationship that we have and every, you know, every blessing that we experience? What if we were wide-eyed and aware that it is all a gift from God? I guarantee you our gratitude, our freedom, and our joy would go through the roof and our discouragement and selfishness and worry would just evaporate away. Let me, let me share with you a quote from, from the book of giving. Pierce Taylor Hibbs says this. He says, we, we swim in gifts, in things given freely by a God so extravagant that his spending spills well beyond thought. You don't feel this way very often, do you? Neither do I. The greatest irony of being alive is that we treat gifts as possessions, generosity as commonplace, and grace as summer grass, something to be stepped on and forgotten with every lifting muscle. We habitually forget grace. We unwrap so many gifts every moment that we forget it's Christmas morning, that God is watching every opening, every spark of joy, and every shrug of the shoulders. He knows we can't thank him every second, and somehow it's okay. And somehow, and this is the kicker, he keeps on giving. I mean, think about that. I mean, God gives to us endlessly. And, and most of the time, I, I don't stop and thank him. And you know what he does? He just keeps on giving. That is just amazing. And so John 3.16 just reminds us that, man, every day, every day is Christmas morning. Now, so that's how God is the ultimate giver. But he's called us to be givers as well. And uh, it's against that backdrop of giving. In fact, uh, we see this from Acts 20, 35. And so this is the Apostle Paul quoting Jesus. He says this, he says, So in all things, uh, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I like to receive. I love to receive. I think it's pretty fun. I think it's a blessing to be able to receive. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, certainly it is. So how is it that Jesus is saying, well, you know, it is a blessing to receive, but it's an even bigger blessing to give. That's not typically how we think about it. How can he say that it's more of a blessing to give? 
Well, the answer is because God is a giver. And when we give, we become more and more like God. And then we start to experience the giving circle. Now, let me just show you this, this diagram. Most of the giving that we do, it comes from a source, uh, it comes from somewhere, and then the giver takes it and gives it to the recipient, and then it ends there. So it kind of, the gift terminates on us. We're like, oh, that's so cool, I love it, thank you. Boom, it's over. And, and that's, that's, a lot, that's a lot of the giving that happens. But let me, let me show you God's giving circle, and this is really what God wants for us. He wants through the, the giving of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he wants to invite his people into that giving circle so that he gives to us out of the overflow of his blessing. And then we, in turn, take what he's given to us. And instead of holding on to it and possessing it, which is what our nature tries to do, we turn around and give it back to God and to others. And that's the giving circle. And what Jesus is saying is it's more blessed to be in that than it is to be in a, in a situation where the gift just ends with you. Why is that? Well, the answer is really simple. You can't outgive God. The more you give, the more he gives to you. So as you're in the circle, God's giving to you, you're giving it away, and guess what? He's giving right back to you. And you begin to see God working in your life. You see his fingerprints. You see God moving in your life and providing and blessing you. And it's just so much fun. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. And then you get the joy of giving it to someone else or back to God in some way. And, and then that's even fun as well. And you see this in Luke chapter 6 verse uh, 38. Notice, notice what Jesus says. He says, says it this way. Luke 6 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. With a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your life. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now what is he talking about there? Jesus is talking about the more you give, the more God gives back to you. Now does that mean if you give to the church, you know, God's going to give you a Ferrari next week? I mean, he might. I mean, he could do that. He's God. He could do anything he wants. But he's just... But I think the principle here is this, that God will bless you back in a way that's best for you and for me. And that's God's giving circle. And that's why we give. Now, I'll finish with this. How do you start taking some steps into uh, generosity and into God's giving circle? Let me, let me give you four ways that you can do it. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. First and foremost, I, I think one way is to take some time daily and be still in God's presence. I, I think when we, our culture, our society is so busy, we've got so many things going on that it's just, it's just easy to kind of live a helter-skelter life and, um, and we forget how much God's blessed us. We're, we, we so easily forget the blessings of God. In fact, Psalm 46, 10 says it like this, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So there's, so there's this thing where we, when we disconnect from our phones and we disconnect a little bit from our kids and our responsibilities and we just focus on the greatness of God, 
then we begin to remember all that God has given to us. And so being still helps us come back to the generosity of God. Secondly, one way to practice giving is simply being fully attentive to other people. You know, James, James reminds us of this in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He says, let everybody be quick to listen, quick to hear. I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give to somebody is your undivided attention. What you're doing when you give somebody your eyes and your heart and your listening is you're giving them a moment of your life. You're giving them, if you give them an hour, you're giving them an hour of your life. You're, you're giving them 10 minutes of your life. That is a treasure. That is an amazing gift. And, and so a lot of times what I find in myself is that as I'm listening to somebody, I'm thinking about what I'm saying. I'm thinking about what I'm about to say. But instead of really dialing in and listening, and I think that's what James is saying and calling us back to, that we can practice generosity. It has nothing to do with our money just by listening to one another. It's a great affirmation of love. Third, we need to be still. We need to be fully attentive. I think, thirdly, just be thinking about all the gifts that God has given to you, whether it's the next meal that you eat or the next check that you write or uh, you know, the next shirt that you put on or the car that you drive. I mean, it's just really practicing that awareness of, man, this is, this is all a gift from God. And, um, and, and so you see that in, in Psalm 24, verse 1, the psalmist says this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those dwell therein. Everything belongs to him. And so if, you're, if you have stuff, you've been given that by God who owns it all. And then lastly, be proactive by giving Jesus your life now. Be pro just start now. Because think about it, church. One day you're going to breathe your last. There'll be no more breaths. You'll give it back to him. He's given you these 23,000 breaths today. You don't know when the last one's going to be. So what we might as well do is go ahead and just give it all to him. And live our every day for him. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God in full view of everything that God has done for you. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. God, take my life, take my breath, take my days. Now, why would you do that? Because God gave everything for you. He gave his son. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would open our, open our eyes to your glory and generosity. That we would see that every person, every minute, every breath, every day is a gift of your grace. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to think about these things. You would help us to see these things. That we would experience the love of the Trinity. That we would enter in to your great giving circle. 
thank you, God, we will never outgive you. And the more we give, the more you're going to give back to us. So God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy, that you would awaken us to the reality of your sacrificial love. So God, just move in our midst today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your greatness. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen and amen.